A strange, unbelievable adventure that started by accident. Taking us out of this time and place to a lost planet. Who's that? Who's that? Come with us into that strange new world. We cannot guarantee your safety, but I can promise you a startling experience. You have invaded the world of the Daleks. Every move you make, we can see. Every sound you utter, we can hear. So close you can see their fire. So thrilling, it will astound you. Barbara, look behind you! Stop the countdown! The bomb will destroy the planet! And coming up in this episode, on the big screen in colour, we talk about the Dalek movies and Peter Cushing. Exciting. Yes, Adventure! Yeah. You can sense the thrill in our voice. <laughs> Always yeah. and more. In Doctor Who, the complete menagerie. Almost. Hello, I'm Sam. Hello, I'm Tom. Hello, I'm Greg. And we are the complete menagerie. Almost. Almost. <laughs> Podcast dedicated to classic Doctor Who. No, 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 just Doctor Who. Just Doctor just Who. Doctor Who. Yeah, the other stuff We've been count. through this We've one. We've been through before. this, for God's sake. Stop apologising for it. We don't have to apologise. It's Doctor Who and the remake. And the Dalek movies in this instance. Ah, yes. Well, yes, yes. so it's, it's a whole uh, different kind of... Kettle of fish, isn't it's it? It's a funny fish. It's a funny fish. Doctor Who and the Daleks. We're going back to 1965. Mmm, the rock and roll years. Where Dalek mania was all the rage. Sweeping, Sweeping the country at the same time as uh, Eric Clapton. Indeed. He was all the rage in 1965. <laughs> I saw him once at the Albert Hall. It was so dreary. <laughs> <laughs> Some family friends insisted I should join them. and uh, We enjoyed a Chinese meal beforehand. Which was good, and then we had to sit through Eric Clapton warbling on. I, I was like, when is it was going to end? I don't know. Yeah. And he sang and he sang and he sang. Well, he did a great theme tune with Michael Kamen for, for Edge of Darkness. Darkness. Did he? Yeah, he, he wrote know. the music Eric for that. Clapton, That's his Clapton was involved. Didn't Michael Kamen do the music for a Bond movie? License John Barry was too ill to do it, so they yeah. got Cayman. Um, Very not, good. Yeah, it's not as good as John Barry, I don't think. I see the Cayman who lived on the Cayman Island. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's Cayman Carmen. That's Karma. Yeah. He's dead now, anyway. I've got a line to seed before we proceed ah. anyway. Can I just seed it now? We'll come back to it later. Seed before we proceed. <clears throat> yeah. Here's my line. One of these days, we're going to have a nice long talk about acceptable safety standards. Ah. It's Sylvester McCoy in Remembrance of the Daleks. <laughs> you're close, but you're not it's, right. It's, ah. certainly, it's certainly the Doctor, isn't it? It is the Doctor. And it sounds like Sylvester McCoy. It is Sylvester McCoy. So, yeah, I think... Um, Curse of Fenric. The uh, Paradise Towers. You've only got, really, is it 12 stories? <laughs> <Yes>. to <choose> <laughs> <one>? <laughs> <laughs> so let's just go through them in order. <laughs> 
I don't, it can't be Dragonfire. It can't be Dragonfire, no. He's talking to Ace, though, isn't he? He's he is. talking yeah, to Ace. He's talking about her Nitro I can nine. see it in my mind's eye. I yes. can see it. I don't know where it is, though. Yes. He's sort of slightly pleased with her, isn't he? Because she's, 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 she's blown, blown something, something up, up and it's yeah. helped them yeah. out. But at the same time, he feels he can't just let it go. It can't be Fenric, because we always talk about Curse of Fenric, so it can't be that. And she doesn't detonate anything in survival, so it can't be that. Could be. I don't think it is. No. Um, uh, greatest show in the galaxy? I don't think she blows anything up. There's only two left. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, Yes, what what else is she? Ghostlight, she doesn't blow anything up. Show's the other one. Battlefield! (laughs) (laughs) It's Battlefield episode two. Episode two, is it? Well, you prefer to be. It certainly had the ring of Sylvester McCoy saying it, it even when you yeah. delivered it, which was a good, uh, good giveaway. Well, that was easy. What have we all been up to then? Hey? Oh, that, we, me and Greg this morning have been for an all-you-can-eat breakfast. <laughs> I can smell it. I, I, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's wafting off us. It? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they put they put onions on the uh, on the Yorkshire pudding. I don't know where people stand on that. <laughs> they put Yorkshire pudding in an all-you-can-eat breakfast. <laughs> Yorkshire pudding for breakfast with what? onions on. What? Yeah. Oh, you all that so with liver and so I'm feeling rather weary if I if I just keel over at some point <laughs> during today's episode. I, I, I apologise. We've had sausages, we've had bacon, we've had eggs. Uh, oh, you name sort of, it. Some sort of uh, fried potato affair. Oh, mushrooms. Mushrooms. There's as Tomatoes. much coffee as you can drink. So there's, uh, once our bodies are sort of letting us down, oh, my, my entire body, the neck down is asleep, but in my brain is whizzing because I've had eight pints of coffee. So. <laughs> I feel like I'm sweating <laughs> on your behalf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've had to remove my jumper. Tom's uh, stopped with his arm. I tried to go for a poo earlier, but mm. it wasn't, it wasn't nothing, nothing happening. No. <laughs> so so, so it's, all, it's all up there. Maybe give it an hour. I might need to work something. We went for a brisk walk to find dislodged. Nothing was, nothing was, uh, nothing was happening. Yeah, but, round uh, Hay Park. And from that subject, you were talking to some people on the internet. Yes, internet. Yes. You no, I, damn I, fool. Yes, Why are you talking no, to them? I've been trying to, to put the word out about our podcast because we, we seem to slowly be gathering a, a small number of uh, people who seem to in enjoy what we do. Yes, uh, yes, we've got nearly 400 people on Twitter following us, really? which is not bad going. Mostly robots, I imagine. The robots anything, of death. Anything back on Tony Beckley? Uh, Tony Beckley? No. Or competition? No, mm. I think it's in too much bad taste. No one's gone for that. Oh, can we repeat that? I can't remember now. We, we were going to give away a, a, a blade of grass from Tony Beckley's grave, but I can't no. remember the, yes. uh, the, the question. Well, the question is, what do you like about Tony Beckley? And yes. obviously nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we've got some listeners. Perhaps they could... Uh, they could uh, Submit their answers and, and win that prize. Did yeah. no one submit it? Yes, just a reminder. That <laughs> so, prize what do you like about offer? Tony Beckley? Mm. Well, just tweet it. And we'll, maybe you should uh, repeat the uh, question on Twitter. Yes, we'll retweet it. Yes, and send it back out. But yes, you were on on the Facebook. Well, I thought you know, there's these various pages on the Facebook uh, that are interested in Doctor Who. Uh, so I posted on a few of them. And, uh, Can I just interrupt and say the reason why I'm wearing my jumper? <laughs> which I haven't taken it off because I'm only wearing a bed T-shirt. There's oh. a washing crisis at our house oh. that has developed, and so I haven't really got any T-shirts. Left. Is your washing machine broken? No, we're just incredibly lazy. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we we've got children, so they they take precedence. Well, Women and children broke down this week. I did a I did a wash, <laughs> and then there was like electrical smoke coming out of it. You know when you open the drawer, the, the door, and you try and convince yourself that it's just steam. You think, oh, it's, it's just steam, and then you think, and you get it in your nostrils. It's an acrid smell. It wasn't the gods of Ragnarok, was it? <laughs> I think it was Graham Crowden's unhappy spirit. <laughs> I think that's what it was. 
my dreams of conquest. <laughs> not only not only was there acrid smoke coming out of it, it was also leaking a bit. So I, I phoned them up, uh, phoned the helpline because we have it insured because it's a washer dryer. It's ten years old. I hope you're I taking notes, listeners. It's last legs. <laughs> Samuel Faye's <laughs> losing the will to live. That's the so word. I phoned them up, and a lo lovely lady from your wife's part of the country. Oh, at, uh, from Newcastle. the northeast, yes, uh, called Lisa. She was extremely. Oh my God, Grog! Your sound check was more interesting than this story. <laughs> anyway, let's go back to the, let's go back, let's go back to the internet, and you can you can resume yeah, so, the story later. So, so, so I was on the Facebooks, and um, yeah, I, I, I posted. Uh, a, uh, I wrote to a couple of admins of Doctor Who pages saying we've got this podcast. We talk about Doctor Who. We don't talk about the remake, we don't call it classic Who, we just, it's just Doctor Who, 1963 to 1989. We're making no apologies for it. Your, your readers or your subscribers may be interested. And um, a couple of admins were, were extremely helpful, but one, one of them I posted on it was... Uh, <laughs> Naming and shaming, are we? Yes, it was, it was a group called something like Doctor Who fans who hate the new series. Yeah, it's it's worse to that effect. Has a ring and, to it, doesn't it? Slick. Yeah, and it, the good, the good um, image on the background is it's got a, a photograph of all the Doctor Whos that you've probably seen in profile, numbers 1 through to, I don't know, 47 or however many there have been now, but only with numbers 1 to 7, the rest are crossed out. Oh, well, they're um, really very vociferous, aren't they? Crumbs. So I, I, the admin let me in and I posted on it about this podcast. And uh, I said, uh, dear fellow Whovians of good taste, uh, you may be interested in our podcast, blah, blah, blah. And this chap called Darren <laughs> <laughs> commented saying, if there's one thing that gets my back up, it's being called a Whovian. He He's obviously okay. had a really easy life. That's, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. That's the thing that gets us back up. Because yeah. I'm about to call you a <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Yeah, there so I, go. I, well I very done. rapidly <laughs> just left that group. I thought, you know, life's too short. If, if people like that who just have no perspective and no life and they just <laughs> make snarky comments at perfect strangers <laughs> over the internet and they, if they, then, you know, that's up to them. But they can do it uh, to themselves and I, I want no part of it. So... So uh, yeah, it's only angry on the intake. They always happen. They always well, will I, well be. I have to say, I mean, I I also posted to Doctor Who and the TARDIS, the classic years, right. which is a group on Facebook. That I heartily recommend. The the, the, the admin there is a, a lolly chap, a, a, a dream, a dream, a dream, a, a dream. Incredibly, incredibly lovely and very very helpful. <laughs> we, we haven't uh, we haven't swapped nude pictures yet or cop <laughs> sure. shots. But I'm sure uh, that's fine. <coughs> yes, he sent sure a Snapchat cool. link, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Doctor Who and the TARDIS, the classic years, hardly recommended, great stuff, and they seem to be lovely people, so it, it's, it's, it, it, some of it's good, some of it's I think bad. the title of the, the two pages says it already, one's just a negative page, and the yeah. other one's just positive about the classic series. If you yeah. hate something that much, do you really care about even talking about it? Clearly the manifesto for that on the site is just to slag off the new series and nothing else, and that's a bit dull. I think what we're discovering is that uh, there's a whole world, a seedy world, on, on the internet of Doctor Who fans. Now, I've never been tempted to even enter this world, but doing this podcast is, is my, is my uh, seedy entrance, <laughs> as it were. Uh, so, uh, you know, and then, so, so we are gathering uh, listeners and Twitter is aflame with. I must confess, not to being on Facebook, so I, I don't really get involved with it. But you yes, twit yourself. I twit. I twit myself silly most nights. Yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> twit yourself off. Yes, I'm always uh, yeah, Patricia. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> 
But it is a it's a seedy old world. It's like any world, isn't it? Once you enter the sort of the, the underground underground world of it, it's like the Dalek City. But the, uh, mm, <laughs> perhaps I'm being a little bit unfair on what's his name here. Darren. Um, he sounds like a right twat. Yeah. <laughs> But then, I mean, you know, we, we, we were berating Buddy Windrush, weren't we, the last uh, time? And then we, he we makes told... Buddy, this bloke makes Buddy Windrush look like Mother Teresa. Yes. <laughs> but we were telling our, our listeners to f*** off in the world, so I don't even know if we have any any listeners left. <laughs> no, no, we probably don't. But I did go away and, and reflect. And, but Buddy Windrush is a, a good egg. He's a know, good egg. If, if a you're good in a crisis, you need Buddy Windrush in your corner, because uh, this is Sam's... Uh, cue to, to, to do the, the theme music. <laughs> when when I was on my honeymoon... <laughs> oh, <laughs> story again. Greg, tell your washing machine story again. That's far more interesting. No, Bunny Windrush really, really... Got you out of a hole, yeah. really. But he was wrong about something, and I'm going to haul Buddy Windrush up now. Over the coals. being wrong about something. We were both wrong about David Agnew. This is a Doctor Who fact now. If I said to you, a story written by David Agnew, who wrote it? David Agnew, um, that would be uh, Invasion of Time? Roddy Barker? Yes, it's a, a pseudonym for... Um, was it Anthony Reid? And, and Graham Williams? Yes, and also no. Oh. David Agnew, uh, it, it, there's some of this on Wikipedia, so it must be true, uh, was actually a, a name um, used generally, uh, a pseudonym entered into use on Doctor Who only after Anthony Reid had become the show's script editor. Reed and producer Graham Williams used the pen name for the invasion of time, but a year later the same name, David Agnew, concealed the joint work of Douglas Adams, Graham Williams and David Fisher on uh, City of Death. Right. So the name David Agnew applies to both to all of Anthony Reed, Graham Williams, uh, Douglas Adams, uh, David Fisher. And whoever else I didn't mention there. Uh, the, the, the name was also... Oh, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> it's so Get the coffee on, Sam. My caffeine level's dropping and I'm losing the will to live. This is even worse than what you've story. Imagine if we did this every week, just yeah. read out Doctor Who facts. How yes. boring would this podcast be? Yeah, well, what's the name imagine? of that palsied, warty, Hoovian? One more time. Uh, Darren, <laughs> I, I keep looking to it. It's an awful name, isn't it? <laughs> All right, Dazza. I've never met someone called Darren who I've liked. No, yeah, it's, it's a, a dodgy name, it's isn't it? A, a, a greasy name. Mm. You can't go wrong with saints' names. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a religious person, but I'll so, say... Is, was there a St. Gregory? There are, there yes, all oh, many saints. What did Gregory's, he do? Yeah, patron saint of... Hopeless uh, cases. Yes. Yes, well, that's after <laughs> <isn't> <laughs> Thomas was uh, doubting Thomas, wasn't he? Yes. He was, uh, he was a cynic, which I quite enjoy. Yes. Samuel's a book in the Bible, I know that much. Yes, he was, uh, uh, he was a rascal, wasn't yes, he? he? Well, was. when you met Tom Baker, didn't you? And he uh, said, so, yeah. who, to whom do I sign it? And you said to Samuel, and he went, ah! A biblical name! Well, it was David's... Uh, uh, David's protege, wasn't he, Samuel? Or was it the other way around? David Samuel in the Temple was the story, well, wasn't I can it? remember. We should know this as atheists, really. Yeah. <laughs> should we do a podcast? Now named and shamed, done with. Yeah. Off your chest? Yes. You feel better for it? I do. I feel like I've uh, got a weight off my... my, uh, my... Yes. That's great. Well, we're going to go into the time lash, and the subject today is to talk about Peter Cushing as Doctor Who. Oh, but it's all arranged. Megan and I have important things to discuss. Yes, Doctor. Prepare the time lash. Now, that's literally his name. Doctor Who. Yes, I know, yes. Mm. Hello, my name is Doctor Who. (laughs) I'm an English uh, inventor of a time machine. That's correct, he's human. Mm. And it's 1965, present day. 
That's when the film was made. And most people know that the Dalek movies were spin-offs from the BBC series. Just to put it into historical context, 1965 was the year that Nikolai Ceausescu yes. became, <laughs> became leader of Romania. Was, yes. What, do you think uh, he based his uh, his portrayal of William Hartnell's Doctor Who on Ceausescu? I think, that, I think there might have been an element of that. Some reflection was seen, right? seen as benevolent when he first came to power, wasn't he? But it's such also, a, I mean, a great actor, Cush, mm. Cush Jumbo, as I call him. Wow. Uh, that's the name of an actress who I quite like. Mm. Um, but uh, that's how I was thinking of. I was going Cush Jumbo's up to no good. Isn't he? <laughs> but uh, so he's a he's a good actor, but not in this. Do you not think? He's, he's, he, uh, no. what they, uh, I think they probably ought to have got not as big a name, but Clive, Clive Dunn to have done. Don't panic! Don't panic! Right, don't, don't panic! You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> doing exactly the same thing. Because <coughs> Clive Dunn would have been in Dad's Army. Well, yeah, maybe a year or two after this, but basically playing an old man at round about the same sort of age. It's the same sort of, oh, I'm an old man kind so, of So the films wouldn't have been called Doctor Who the Daleks, it would have been the Daleks, don't panic. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like it often. <laughs> the Peter Cushing carved a career up for himself as being a, a, a horror genre actor. Hammer House of Horror. When was, mm. Hammer was mainly in the 70s, early 70s. 50s, 60s. Oh, okay, so a lot of his stuff 70s. he'd already done. So yeah. he was famous by that point for being, because him and Lee, uh, Bruce Lee, were huge, <laughs> huge, huge, friends, huge yeah. friends, weren't they? No, Chris, Chris, Christo Lee. With that, did they have that relationship before 1965? I they? believe so, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Was, I mean, so he was a proper star, wasn't he? He was. probably be dragged out and shot for saying this, but virtually that everything that uh, Peter Cushing did was utter shit. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, the Hamlet films it? are awful. You like, know, they're, they're, well, I, yes, there are, there are certain... In terms of horror. artistic merit, I mean, he was never in anything like uh, Star Death Wars. in Venice, was he? I mean, no, yeah, no, Star Wars. Nicholas Rowick didn't, uh, didn't employ him in Don't no. Look Now. It was, uh, no. it was Donald Trump, wasn't it? Or, I mean, can he could be compared to Dirk Bogard or anything, but I mean, Christopher Lee no, seems to be no. revered as this great actor. But again, all, all of his stuff, apart from The Wicker Man, was mostly quite lowbrow. It was it? lowbrow, but that's but that's to suggest that Roger Moore. Let's, let's invoke the name of Moore. <laughs> Are you saying that Roger Moore, Roger the Great Roger Moore, <laughs> was lowbrow? Do you care for a bite of my sausage? In England, we call them bangers. It's not a film that Roger Moore appeared in that wasn't, on some level, rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> but you wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, pillory Moore. No, Would you pillory Moore? Moore? That's, that's because he's amazing. Yes, well, so is Chris Jumbo. I think Peter Cushing is a wonderful actor. And he, 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 what, ah, well, there's a shame difference between being a wonderful actor and, and being a poor actor and being a wonderful actor in really shit stuff. Like well, he was, in, no, he was in, no, he was in, he was in, yes, that is a terrible film, but he was in all sorts of dross. But it was, it was like, you know, it was like being in thrillers. It was, it was in, it was a certain genre of film that was very popular. And it, with anyone else being in them, they would have been even worse. He was, it was great. He was said to have been a lully, lully man. A I think gentleman. it was a shame. Like, a shame, a bit like Lee. You know, he died without having given a great performance. Yes, a, well, exactly. You know, yes. he could have been so good. And I know what you mean, Greg. I completely agree with you. But I'm just, for the sake of uh, mock uh, horror, I'm just trying to sort of argue against you. But uh, yeah, he was never yeah. a decent film. He like, sold uh, himself short. Uh, the Goonies, because he uh, was a very good actor. <laughs> he was. He was. He was. But maybe he was just good in the films that he appeared in because he, he shone in. in 
dross. What about those cheekbones? I was about though, to say. Eh? Oh, I know, you could sharpen a pencil on those. Yeah. Blessed with his face, really, wasn't yeah, he? That's why I think he was in those gothic films. I was intrigued. Mm. I went back and watched both of these films with Petra Cushing, and it just occurred to me that I never actually watched them when I was a kid. Really? Is that the first time you've ever seen them? Then? All the way through, yes. They're often mm. on Sunday afternoons yeah. when I was a kid. I Channel used to four. Sort of either catch them halfway through or, or not, I'd never seen the start of either of them. So I'd seen sections of them. But this is the first time I sat there and watched them. Mm. And it occurred to me that what he was doing, they thought it was terribly important that he was basically ripping off William Hartnell. As opposed to creating his own version of the Doctor, he was just becoming William Hartnell, but just slightly more annoying. <laughs> you are a privileged young man to be the first visitor to our time and space machine. Yeah. I can now set the controls for anywhere in time and space that we wish to go. When I push that lever, this room and everything in it will dissolve into their respective component electrical charges. We're all made up of them. These charges will then be transferred in time and space and reassembled in their proper order and their proper place. Slightly more annoying. Why is he slightly more annoying? Because he's not William Hartnell. Right. You know, yeah. so, so it was interesting that... that I thought that he, that's what he was told to do, or he felt that he had to do that, and yet that's the least of that's that's the least thing that's important about the concept of Doctor Who is the main character and how you act as the main character. And as was revealed a couple of years later, when Patrick Troughton came along, and then other mm. little, it was before all that success yeah. of having Doctor Who was having a, an eccentric old person being in the main, you know, a white-haired mm. old buffer. Yeah. It was, and they thought that was the part of the one of the things that would make it successful. Actually, as we've seen in the fifty years. Hence, that it's irrelevant. <laughs> yes, you can have yeah. a, a young boy doing it, but it, it, it's still it's still popular. But it is interesting because because this is the first instance where the, the role has been given to another actor. Yeah, it's and an interesting historical footnote. It is, but is the whole the thing just rather pointless? Because I mean, the, Doctor Who was a, a family show. Yeah. It was on at tea time. It was for a family audience, um, so children were watching because it was geared up for them. And yet, with the big screen, they thought, oh no, we, we, we can't make it as scary as the actual TV show, we have to dumb it down. So, for example, Susan can't be a uh, teenager, sort of played by someone in their early 20s, we have to have a child. The reason the Daleks ended up with smoke uh, coming out of it because it was deemed uh, too, scary. too scary to do the whole thing. Well, we'll get, we'll get on to the actual film in a minute, but I mean, his, his portrayal is basically a rip-off of... of, of Oh, it is. Yeah. He's playing a lot older than what he is. I was checking out how old he was. He was 52 when he played it. Well, which is interesting because Capaldi is 57 now. So that's quite an interesting comparison. But exactly. Yeah. So he, he was he was playing old because that's what William Hart. He's bowed, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's and, stooped it, and it's the slightly embarrassing, I think, watching it, especially in the first film. You're just like, oh come on, just stand up straight. We know he can. <laughs> and all this sort of old acting. I don't. I don't think it's, he's very good at that. Right. He's no Clive Dunn. Interestingly, he did actually record a third Doctor Who role for radio. Um, really? Which was, I think it was in the early 70s, and it was uh, written by Matt Hulk. Ah. And it's since been lost. Hello, Professor. Oh, yeah. Hello, Professor. Can you hear me? That's uh, my message to Michael Purvis. <laughs> I don't think he's listening ever since we, we so denied him in the last can't. episode. If, oh, any, really? if any of our listeners actually got to the end of last, last week's episode, which did was, we go right? Didn't we? Well, we, 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 I mocked his uh, lack of qualifications. Whether, <laughs> did you get your O levels? <laughs> so yes, hello, Mike. But yeah, I mean, so it's been lost. It's been lost, and it, it, I didn't even know it existed until fairly recently. That this was a big radio platform. They were going to reboot Doctor Who for radio in the early seventies. It's like a spin-off show. Gosh. Um, and it was Peter Cushing that was hired in the role as, in the pilot. Gosh. Uh, he was the first first person. I think it's. Did he, and he recorded something. He recorded something. He recorded the pilot episode, and it's sadly been lost. And I just think it's interesting that the transatlantic 
version of Doctor Who, which they were trying to pitch for radio and for the Dalek movies, was Peter Cushion. That's who they saw as the guy that could carry it in America. And as it turned out, it didn't didn't fly. But he was a star. It didn't work. Did they ever consider casting William Hartnell? They couldn't cast any of the principal cast because they were too busy on the TV show. Right. What I loved about the idea of, of, of doing it is that if you did that nowadays, all the dick ones would be up in arms. You know, there's a lovely thing about him being called Doctor Who and being an English inventor. Yes. You just think, back in the 60s, no one gave a shit. No, no one gave yeah. two hoots about the mythology or the fan no, bank or the... Yes. You know, and I love that about that era, that it's just like, oh yeah, Milton Subotsky was the guy who... Wrote it and, and produced it. Was he That's an American right. guy? I believe he was. I yeah. see him as a Harvey Weinstein have, figure. Yeah, I think he might have been homosexual. They have an inalienable right to be gay. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Section twenty-eight <laughs> with question mark. I only think he might have been, but yeah. The, anyway, so carry on. <laughs> <laughs> That was a very brief section 28. <laughs> he's dead, so he's nothing now, so it doesn't matter. I see him as a sort of a Harvey Weinstein figure saying, yeah. Gee whiz, get this Doctor Who guy and put him on screen, he's going to be a hit! The kids will love him, wow, love you! Cush, get Cushing, he'll be great! We need a kid. Susan, she's too old, get a kid! You know, all this sort of... Uh, Milton Subotsky was a name that, uh, that loomed large in my childhood. Uh, yeah. it, was, I, uh, it was in Doctor Who magazine all the time when they used to refer yeah. to the, the Doctor Who movies and it would come up on screen, Milton Subotsky! <laughs> and I, it's just such a wonderful name. It's a great a, name. And an American name. You couldn't get that name anywhere. Well, I suppose it's uh, Subotsky as an Eastern European, but it's yes. one of those. He's obviously he or his family have moved over to America in the in the early part of the 20th century, and he's Milton Subotsky. Yeah. <laughs> get me cushing. <laughs> All that sort of thing. Brandon Ceausescu. <laughs> that sort of name. It's, uh, it, yeah, it's Milton is a very American name. Yes. And just someone so unlikely, but I, but I, well, I love you know it's Sydney Newman was Canadian, wasn't he? So he was, yeah. this, this sort of yeah. idea of, of the Englishness of Doctor Who is entirely mm. artificial through uh, North Americans, you know. Yes. Well, they're the ones who run TV. So Milton Subotsky and Roberta Tovey. Well, Roberta Tovey's a good name. Those two yes. names really loom large, and uh, I really enjoy those. Names. Joe Vagoda, who was he? Was he, part, he was part of that as well, wasn't he? He, he sang uh, Rapa Pum Pum. That one, was that him? Yes, he died last year, didn't he? Did really? he? Terrible shame, yes. He used to play rugby for <laughs> <laughs> We're confusing the listener. But back to Peter Cushing. Yeah, interesting fact Peter Cushing and Roy Castle, who played Ian Chesterton in mm. Doctor Who and the Daleks, they died within a month of each other. In 1994. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. I, remember so, I saw Roy Castle live on stage at a religious festival. Really? <laughs> it was about the time, I think it was before he died, uh, and he, I was uh, at, the, at the time a young sort of teenager, I suppose, 13 or so, and my mum was uh, taking me to religious festivals in order to cleanse my soul, and Roy Castle uh, appeared, and it was a great, it was a great joy. He was bald as a coot. I didn't know he was a Christian. Oh no, big big Christo, yeah. yeah he was, was uh, you know, songs mix. of praise and all that. Oh, really? <laughs> it was after his uh, cancer diagnosis. Right. And uh, I don't think that's how he said it. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't make light of it, but he certainly thought it was all got part of God's plan. Yeah. Which seems a little bit uh, naive, but uh, yes. yeah, he was a lovely man. But Cushing, I don't think he was he was playing to his strengths uh, no. in that in the in the movie. I think he was doing he was trying to do a Hartnell. Well, he didn't tap dance. 
No, but he should have done. No, hold on, that's Cassidy you're talking about. Oh, anyway, Cushing, 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 Cushing. That's what we're trying to discuss. Yeah, so. Peter Cushing is Peter Cushing's doctor. I He's the only he... doctor with a moustache. Yes. Yeah, or any facial. But there was something yeah. a little bit wrong with his costume in both movies, I yeah. think. It's just okay. a little bit forced. I was going to mention this, what was wrong with the costume? I don't know, it didn't really hang together for me. Maybe it was because the, 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 the excitement for Sabatsky to show Doctor Who in colour meant that he had to be very... It was very Colin Baker, I thought, his... his big, big, big blue... Big bow, blue thing. It? It's a bit American. I mean, he, he, yeah, he could easily like, be on Wizard set of in a Western. Western. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah or like Wizard of Oz. Yeah, the sort of the... Uh, the, the wizard. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't like that. I just thought it was a bit garish. And I suppose the whole, both films, well, the first film in particular is very garish. And it was a bit like, yeah, we know, colour. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we've we've seen it in real life. Those massive pink plastic it, sets. I mean, yeah. they look like yoghurt pots to me, don't they? They just look like <laughs> massive yoghurt pots. Don't say anything, Sam. You can defend that later when we talk about the film in particular. But we are talking about Cushing. We're talking so. about Cushing's performance and, and crucially, costume. the first person to play a new Doctor. Tell me about your uh, idea about his costume. You, you looked at me askance. You think you like his costume. I liked elements of it. I think some of it was quite forward-thinking in terms of, you know, he's obviously in the patrician role, isn't he? And he's got the Edwardian look. Obviously, everything of it is influenced by William Hartnell's Doctor, and it's, a, it's an Americanized version. But something I noticed that Peter Cushing has in pretty much all of his colour films is something blue around his neck. Yes. To match his eyes. Ah, and then yeah. on watching the commentary, I think it was the commentary or one of the extras, he insisted Did on he? having a light blue cravat or shirt yeah. to make him look more intense in colour films. What a prick. <laughs> <laughs> Leave the costume Apart from Star Wars. <laughs> there was no big blue bow in Star Wars. He famously wore his uh, slippers on Star Wars, didn't he? On, on Did the he? Set. Yeah, really? He was in costume with slippers. There are some photographs of him just in his slippers. I mean, he's supposed to be one of the loveliest gentlemen you could ever meet. So I can't remember who he was, so it's really half a story, but some, some lady, I mean, it might have been... Um, uh, that Jewish uh, girl who was in Warriors of the Deep, uh, who's no longer with us. Uh, what's her name? Runa um, Lenska? No, similar Ingrid Pitt. Ingrid Pitt, who I think said that Peter Cushing was the only man who ever kissed her hand and it didn't feel in any way sort of creepy or sexual. Mm. Uh, that he was just such a lovely guy and gentleman. No, I think he was a wonderful guy. Yeah, yeah. he's by all accounts lovely. And I'm, I'm not a bad actor, but I just didn't like him as Doctor Who, I suppose. And yeah, I, I would agree. You know, he, uh, out of yeah. all the seven doctors that there have been, uh, he was the eighth, and probably I don't know. I, I could, I, you don't warm to him. You don't I feel, I feel the same way about Peter Cushing as I do about Paul McGann. Yeah, right, okay. it's a sort of a one-off and a bit of a mistake, really. Um, but they're non-canonical as well, and uh, yeah. all the thing I'm Doctor Who, and it's it's, it's for the wrong audience. There's there's Peter Cushing. There's Peter Capaldi and there's Peter Davison. As far as I'm concerned, only one of them is Doctor Who. Very good. He's been rehearsing that all morning. <laughs> I think that's a nice way to end that segment. So what we're going to do is we're now going to go into... Oh, it's the Time Space Visualiser. Oh, it's Doctor Who and the Daleks. Wow. The Time Space Visualiser. Doctor Who and the Daleks. Let's have a look in uh, the programme guide by Jean-Marc Lofficier. It's you not in here. You won't find it, it in there. It's nowhere to be found. You won't find it explain, in there. Sam, explain, Sam, explain. Explain. 
in a tedious Dalek scene that lasts for about 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> in the 80s, I think really Peter Cushing was considered to be the forgotten doctor because no one ever spoke about him. Mm. Um, it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't canon, was it? It wasn't considered to be canonical. I love that word canon. It's such bollocks, isn't yeah. it? It's like, it wasn't canon, you know. It's like St. Thomas's, St. Thomas's yeah. Gospel. It's like all those Gospels that didn't make it into the... Um, into the canonical, what, what, what's the four Gospels, what are they called? Matthew, the, Mark, Luke and Terence. Yes, Dix. which Terence are called Dix. the, the um, Gnostic, oh gosh, what, what are they called? Something All like together, that. is it the Gnostic, or yeah, something I like that, know. Know. People, people will know. But, there's, there, I mean, but there were loads of Gospels, that oh, some yes, of them didn't yeah. make it in. You know? It was the, the Nicene something or other meeting yeah. in Nicaea where they, where they decided what was in, what was out, that was in the 4th mm. century I think. But there was, before that, there was lots of things knocking about where yes. they've got the stories of Jesus playing with a magic ball. Tell me what you think about your friends at the top. Who do you think besides yourselves to pick out the clown? It's like uh, He-Man. <laughs> but, uh, but of course that just gets booted out because we can't have Jesus playing with his magic balls. Jesus! So, so really, like, we're like the Vatican, sort of uh, we outcasting Peter Cushing, aren't we? But it's almost as absurd as F.R. Leavis. You know F.R. Leavis, who was a great Cambridge intellectual? Uh, made lovely bread. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was F.R. Hoover, so I think you're thinking of <laughs> right, But uh, he, uh, he used to, he had a sort of theory of literature that, that was that certain things were good literature. And uh, I think he, can, he counted Henry James as good literature, and he counted, but he didn't count Dickens as good literature. I think Trollope he was okay with. Right. Or Thack uh, Thackeray and George Eliot he, he liked. He couldn't, li Dickens wasn't literature. Yeah. And no nothing 20th century was literature. Uh, it, well, it, Dickens was populist. No, I know, but mm. the point is, it's like, who is F.R. Levis to, to yeah. make these <laughs> decisions? Henry James, are awfully long sentences. I know, I, I, for that reason, I'm going to give him a go. But but, in, but who is Jean Mark Laffershire to say that the Jean Mark Laffershire is F, the F.R. Levis? <laughs> and he yeah. decides what goes in and what goes out. Why did Gertrude Stein stand <laughs> on Peter Cushing's doctor? <laughs> you know, you'll never know. She hated the comma. Mm. Famously. But uh, so there's only penises. Yes, yeah, so she wasn't. She was a muncher, wasn't she? Old uh, Steiner. Steiner. Uh, she was. she loved the ladies' bums. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, nothing at all in Jean Mac Lovis. So it's, there's nothing in there to help you, I'm afraid. What's good enough for the Frenchman is good enough for me. And sadly, I, well, let's be let's be honest. I, as I said earlier, I've not seen these in totality all the way through. Mm. And I must say, it's a dreary watch. Doctor Who does. If um. If you needed a new organ, you might have an organ transplant, and the body might reject it for certain reasons. Bear with me, see where <laughs> I'm going good. with this. So what is it about Do the Doctor Who and the Daleks, or the Peter Cushing films, that we reject it as, as sort of, you know, we, we, we reject this tissue? Well, let's look at the story. Oh, yes, the story. With. There is a story. Doctor Who and his granddaughter, Roberta Tovey, yes. And his other granddaughter, Barbara, yes. <laughs> uh, are sat at home reading science textbooks. But Doctor Who's reading Eagle comic for boys. That's a lovely little vignette. Yeah. So that's that is a good start, and it sets the scene. It goes downhill from there, sadly. And then Roy Castle arrives playing Blunders in Ian, 
There's some lovely jokes about chocolates and soft sentences. Soft sentences, that's right. And then Doctor Who takes Ian outside to show him his time machine. Oh yes, I've heard that set before. <laughs> <laughs> Come and have a look at my time machine. Which oh. is called TARDIS. And he's invented it, hasn't he? He's invented it and he's built it. And there's no reason why it's bigger on the inside or on the out or why it looks like a police box. There's no reason. There's no particular reason why it looks absolutely shit. <laughs> In the TV series, they had no budget and came up with this amazing, timeless design. In the big budget movie, it's, it's like it's a room. Oh, there is a reason. They didn't secure the rights of the designs. Oh, right. They only secured the rights of the Daleks from Terra Nation, but Terra Nation didn't have any rights over the designs of the TARDIS interior. That's ah, why it's been reinvented. Could they not have come up with something better? I mean, it's just a green room full of wires. Yeah, lights, it's isn't awful. It? Well, I suppose that the, the problem in the whole film is the designer. Really, it's not. It's just not designed very well. Well, this is the thing I was going to come to. It's, it's, it's a point I'm not very positive. Oh, God, I it's, thought I was setting you up to disagree with me. <laughs> Ray Cusick designed the Dalek City and the Daleks in the, in the BBC version. None of that's been carried over into the movie. They seem to think because it's widescreen and it's colour, it needs to be bigger. So they've given the Daleks an extra foot of height and big lights and they're very garish. Suddenly now they're actually about human heights. So they're no longer quite interesting or mysterious to look at. They're not squat. And so everything else is scaled up to that size to be big and impressive. But it doesn't work. Mm. It doesn't work. It looks more really like a, a fairground ride. Toys. Toys. Yeah, toys. Yeah, yeah. Which I suppose was a good thing, because the, 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 the reason why they were made was to sell toys, essentially. And they did. And they did in, in their trade. Just go back to the story. So they, so, they, uh, so they get in TARDIS. They get in TARDIS. Roy Castle leans on something by accident. I think Jenny Linden leans on... Roy Castle, who leans on a lever yes, and sends, off the sends them off to a different planet in the future. It's all rather Charlie and Willy Wonka, isn't it? I mean, had that been made the last elevator? No, it hasn't. Been. That was the early 70s, I believe. But so, so the, yeah, the forest, if you're designing a forest, it's a very hard thing to make a set out of. Mm. Uh, and that's what they have to do, and it looks pretty shoddy. I you think. didn't think it looked any good? No. Because they built cool. the city and I think it's the okay, forest together. I don't mind the, uh, the forest. Well, anyway, so they get to this forest, and then they... Then, uh, then they well, it's all a bit spurious, isn't it? The it's a petrified forest. It is terrified, yes. It's, mm. it's, it's post-atomic war. Mm. And they find a, a fossilised creature and they mm. fall on top of that. Yeah, there's a lot of falling around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why they got Roy oh. Castle. Crap falling. Roy Castle. They eventually stumble across a, a city. They go into the city, find out they've all been subjected to radioactive poison, and then the Daleks arrive out of nowhere, surround them and lock them up, basically. And that's our story, and it's a story about the, the Doctor and his companions, or his family, effectively, escaping the city and destroying the Daleks and then going back home. And but the Thals are there. Yeah. The Thals. We've had all this story. We've had we've seen it Terry all Nation did it on, uh, on television. Twice and this is like a truncated version for, for idiots, isn't it, really? It's I suppose so. The idiots version. So what do you like about this, uh, this film? Well, it's more nostalgia for me. In 1993, I was looking at all of the Doctor Who VHS tapes, mm. and at the end of all of these Doctor Who black spine VHS tapes was this bright yellow monstrosity, yeah. <laughs> which looked nothing like any of the others, and it said Doctor Who double feature, <laughs> Daleks, Peter Cushing. I thought, what's this? I hadn't heard about this before. You're a slip of a lad. I was only young. I was 11 years old. And it was much cheaper than the available Doctor Who BBC stuff. Yes, I wonder half why. The price, yeah. Half the price, but for two movies. Mm. So I picked it up, took it home, and I was really kind of chuffed to see this quite expensive, comparatively to Doctor Who, romp in colour uh, of a Doctor I'd never seen before, with Daleks at the time, which I thought looked terribly exciting. Mm. Now I know I was wrong, for the reasons I said earlier. 
and I just thoroughly enjoyed it. And I just thought it was such a bizarre thing, and it was in those wonderful days where you didn't know what the history of Doctor Who was. Mm. Was this? When did this come from? What was this all about? Why was it made? Yes. There was no reference material at the time for me to draw up on well, my, and look about it. My personal anecdote is uh, somewhat similar. I, I saw uh, Doctor Who and the Daleks uh, on VHS in my local WH Smiths. I must have been about ten years old. And it had a bright pink spine, so it didn't look like the other Doctor Who videos that all have black spines. <laughs> and, and so I, I had the story just now. Well, well no, I, I picked it out and uh, I was looking at it and uh, my dad came along. So what, what have you found there? I said, oh, it's this, this Doctor Who and the Daleks. I don't have this one. And, it, and he looked at it and said, oh, it, it's a film. It, it's, it's not the TV show. It's a film. And what I thought he meant was... It wasn't a video in there. I thought he meant it was like a projection film that you had to have a special projector to play it. And then, of course, I did a bit you of... You were ten years old. Yeah, so I, I did a bit of research and then realised it was an actual film that had then come out on video and went and bought it. So you but didn't know what a video was? No, because my dad had told me it was a film, so I thought it was like the, 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 the actual film projection. Story of a very stupid ten-year-old. Yes, well, I mean, so I, yes. I just didn't understand what it was, you see, because it, it didn't look anything like the other videos. So what happened when you got the VHS home? Uh, well, I, I hadn't seen the original. Loaded up into a Polaroid. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It won't go in there. It's a film. <laughs> but I hadn't seen the, the original William Hartnell story, so uh, I had no field of comparison. And so I you saw it, those first before yeah, the yeah, actual yeah, Hartnell versions. In fact, did you I enjoy have, it. Though? I remember the, the first time I saw Hartnell was only long after I'd seen um, Peter Cushing. I remember finding William Hartnell very austere, and I was aware at the time that Peter Cushing had. Uh, played a version of William Hartnell that uh, I probably, as a child, preferred Peter Cushing in a way because he was softer, kinder, gentler, he was more accessible, he was more child-friendly. It's, it's sort of a cosy grandfather mm. figure, isn't he? Whereas there's nothing cosy about William Hartnell. Yeah. Although he became, uh, you know, things like it, well, we discussed in the Romans, he's a bit more giggly yes. as time went on, but that's because yeah. he was becoming a bit gargoyle anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he was, uh, the, 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 Peter Cushing certainly wasn't forbidding no. Uh, his, his character that he plays, it's not, it's written quite, he's not very nice, I don't think. I mean, it's a similar to Hartnell in that respect. He's not a very nice person. If you think about his, uh, his attitude to the, to basically lying to his companions about why they should stay on the planet. It was something about fl the fluid, is it a fluid? The fluid thing, Yeah, the so mercury, actually he yeah. didn't need it, he didn't need the mercury. But he, so he puts his granddaughter's life in danger when he knows that it's quite a dangerous thing to do. Uh, so that doesn't. But then he plays it as a very sort of cuddly old grandfather. So if you don't, well, you don't watch it closely, you miss that. He's a sort of a Wizard of Oz type, though, isn't he? Where yeah. you don't really question a lot his of morals. Yeah. I'm taking over men. Shut up! <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! Sake. <laughs> what, what do we think of uh, Roy Castle's Ian Chesterton as uh, compared to and contrasting to William uh, Russell? No comparison at all. He's 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 not he's not as good as as old as William Russell. He does Russell. it completely no. differently though, doesn't he? I, mean, he but I like Roy Castle, but he's not like do. Is he like Roger Moore versus Sean Connery? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he's the Timothy Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's he's fine, but he's. Uh, what do we think of the, the Barbara hair off? She is the best uh, well, yeah. She's the weakest character of the lot, and that is that's clear from, from the off that she's just not got much about her. She's it, Jenny Linden. Jenny Linden, who worked with Dirk Bogard. 
Possibly, but they replaced her for the next film. You can see why. I mean, she's just a bit wet. You know, darling. Nothing about her. Darling. She was just the it sort was of, darling. I think it was darling. I wasn't calling you darling. <laughs> <laughs> it was darling. Right, okay. She was just. Uh, she didn't have much to do, I didn't think. Either, I, I, from a, from a, my perspective, having not seen them all the way through, there was no nostalgia. So I suppose I was mm. watching it with fresh eyes, and it certainly it just dragged a bit. And, and all, the, the first scene, there's so many pointless changes to, to the story and to the, the history of Doctor Who. You think, well, what is the why change that? Is it because you haven't got the rights? It, but they're not changes that make anything better. They make the changes that make you go. Well, that's just done. The, the whole thing to me is an exercise in utter pointlessness. I mean, the, the idea is to, to make a big, big screen technical uh, Doctor Who on the big screen, all singing, all dancing, but with a fairly low budget. I mean, they were yeah. made on it pretty much £250,000. But it was back in, was back in the day where, you know, let's make a quick duck, uh, let's just whack a script together. The producer, Milton Subotsky, wrote the script, and he's not a writer, you know, he's not written a huge amount else. Uh, he obviously just thought, whack this out in an afternoon, indeed. He's got the script to base it on, they've got the Daleks in mm. the script. It's really just a, a, another piece of Dalek merchandise yeah, from the time, it's, it's yeah, not which people were buying any into. seriousness, because it's not even, you know, once you've got them through the door, because they, and they will come in their droves, because it's about Daleks, and yep. there's an obsession going on amongst the children, mm. uh, then you've got them, and it's just, it's just a part of old pap, really. But is it, is it a bit like what uh, Tom Baker always used to say about the, the power of television, Broadcasts into the living room, mm, mm. which scares the children. So you've got the Daleks, the Dalek invasion of Earth, broadcasting into people's houses. Mm. Uh, not that long after the end of the Second World War, and that's why it resonated so much, and hence you know, Dalek mania and so on. Whereas on the big screen, you've got to go out to the cinema to see it, so it doesn't, it doesn't have the same effect. Well, I've got something to say actually about the. Simon's got something to say. <laughs> it was it was made in widescreen. So, of course, it's very difficult to fill a widescreen frame yes. effectively if you don't have much money. The yeah. dialogues look pretty good, I think, you know, in that format, the way they've designed it with the colours and everything else. For a younger audience, like we're saying, 10 or 11 years old, we quite liked it. Tom, you've seen it as an adult, you think it's absolute pish. And that, <laughs> yes. I, I'd agree with you, you know, through mature eyes. But the interesting thing is even the widescreen colour film they've used is cheapo stock. It's technoscope, isn't it? Yep. Which is, I believe, hearts two perfs, not four perfs at the film. Oh, so it oh, looks yeah. really great. <laughs> of course. It yeah. looks really great. Perfs, great. Should I tell you more about my washing machine? <laughs> <laughs> How many perfs? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Which was the same format they yeah. shot the uh, the Thunderbirds films on and all that stuff as well at the same time. All these cashing in movies. Super and the Mario Nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She died. Somebody else died. Somebody else. This did. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this. Anyway, what I was leading on to was this clearly had a big impression on Russell T Davies. Oh God. Because right. If you look at what he did when he brought Doctor Who back and saved it and made it good <laughs> in 2005. <laughs> Don't rhyme us. Got rid of all the problems and made it perfect. <laughs> The Daleks he brought back were closer to movie Dalek style mm. in terms of they were taller, they had big silly lights, mm. you know, like rabbit yeah. lights, flashing lights and everything else. And if you look even further along, you know, when they redesigned the Daleks for Matt Smith. They had oh, the same colours and no, style of movie Daleks. They only lasted one episode because so, they were so bad. That's yeah. a bad mistake. Yeah. But yeah. The, even the TARDIS, the police box, is more based on the, the TARDIS from this movie in terms of its size it is, and actually, colour yeah. than what's on the TV version. And they brought back Bernard Crimmins. There you go. Yes, indeed, yes. They did. So I think and it's actually almost been assimilated now into the, te into the series design style. And I have to say, I mean, I, I would say something in favour of the, the incidental music for Doctor Who and the Dark 
because it's so bloody catchy and oh, it's, it rattles around point. in my yeah. head. There's a reason days for after that. Barry Gray. Can you, uh, can you sing some for us now? Um, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so it hasn't rattled around in How does it go? Should we play, well, let's play some now. We'll feed some in. Great. It could it could almost be like a John Barry, couldn't it? It's like a it's like a jazz theme. It's like it's a jazz swinging. Score. It's it swings. It's sexy. It's, it's catchy, and I think that's what they tried to capture with the new series. With uh, I mean, I think the adventurous rompy style. For my yes, loud exactly. in your face. Bah, bah, bah. We're going on a happy adventure. Or boo hoo hoo. We all need to be sad. So that's some sad music. I mean, Murray Gold. Yes, he's about as subtle as a in a lift, isn't he, really? <laughs> Not to my taste at all, but they, they try to copy that element with the music, didn't they? Would you agree, Sam? I think so. It's, it's orchestral, isn't it? Yeah. It's got some weird electronic sound effects over the top from Barry Gray, who did Thunderbirds. I think it's all just on a different... It's a, the wrong tone for Doctor Who. I think this is the thing mm. we're trying to get to, isn't it? Mm. Or the Doctor it's, Who that you or we like. The, the real yes. bona fide Doctor Who... The, none of the uh, characters feel like they're at risk in this. You know they're going to be fine. It's all very safe. And the music yeah. reflects that too. Yeah. It's more of a fun adventure as opposed to some risk and danger. Mm. And, and the Daleks no... is a dark story. and It doesn't feel yeah. like There's no sense of character whatsoever. No. Uh, in, uh, uh, that's part, purely part of the writer. You know, there's no character depth. The, no. the Tharls, <clears throat> who look like fucking idiots, mm. are just blank, wooden... You know, stock characters. You've got the sort of all the women are just sort of sitting around doing each other's hair, <laughs> and all the men are just going, "I am a farm. I speak like this." Uh, it's just like it's so dull. There's no character, and, and they've not really thought through that world. What do they exist on? What do they eat? They don't Where do care. They live? There's you no, know? there's no interest because they're just funny people with odd hair. Mm. And you know, there's a few things to say about this film that are bad. First, I've alluded to, which is the Dalek scene together. You just sort of think, God, I could just go and switch the kettle on. Darling, <laughs> be Daleks talking to I could go and get a cup yeah. of tea and be back and not have missed anything, and it's just mm. so dreary and dull. And they do fix this in the next one, which I'll we'll talk about later. But um, So that's one thing that's just awful. And the second thing is the thumbs. Where's their characters? And, and the third thing is the Doctor's character, which is, he's awful. I mean, obviously, William Hartnell was a little bit awful too, like in the first episode, the second episode of Stover. Caveman's head into the rock, <laughs> which is slightly questionable. But I love the fact that the doctor's saying, "No, you must fight." I know. Let's let's pretend that we're going to um, do something dastardly and make you fight. And then he turns them into fighting machines, which isn't terribly helpful, I don't think, because <laughs> actually they're, they're sure they'd be all right if they didn't fight the Daleks. Um, if the doctor hadn't had come along, it would have been fine. They were coexisting peacefully because the Daleks couldn't go into the the, uh, the forest because mm. of the radiation. And the doctor comes along, fucks it all up, well, it's the fucks it all up, yeah. and then causes them to become a warrior race in the space of 20 minutes. So you've got these 
peace-loving Thals, who, who the Doctor decide, and I'm calling him the Doctor advisedly because it's amusing me, but as a Mr. Doctor Who, <laughs> but the Doctor decides decides to make them warriors by a spurious sort of um, blackmailing sort of method, and then there's that scene where they start punching each other in a tunnel, and you're like, well, hold on a minute, you've only become warriors in the last 20 minutes, it's just not consistent. It's the problem with morality in Doctor Who in general, isn't it? Because well, the, the Doctor isn't a pacifist. But he, he doesn't like to get his hands dirty either, so there's True, always the yeah. element of getting somebody to do his dirty work for him. But, he, but when I mean, he, that's a whole other podcast. I know, but when he's the one who's actually caused the problem in the first place, yeah. it's a bit rich yeah. to, to say you must become like a warrior, but I you won't. Will be I, like us. I won't do it. I won't do any of it. I'll just bugger up at the end. Yes. <laughs> so that's a bit questionable. But yes, I was, I was just trying to find some fish, some interest about it, but. I, Largely, I could have turned off halfway through. It's all studio-based as well, the first film. It's a lot cheaper and less ambitious than the second. But I think they realised, by the time they got to the second one, the Dalek main thing had died down. Yes. Daleks mm. don't really work on their own as a, you know, the, as a vehicle. It's a storytelling. Uh, it's not much going yeah. on. They look but, interesting but they're for great the first for kids half Because hour. kids can play with them and, and mm. like, they can be baddies, but when you're actually trying to tell a story with them, I mean, it's quite hard to write a good Dalek story, as we've seen in this new series. Yeah. It's, it's never been a good Dalek story. And, and you know, so Genesis of the Dalek comes along, and that's great. But that's not really a Dalek story; it's a Davros story. And then anything that just involves the Daleks can, you know, aside from the Daleks itself, the, the, the Hartnell one, you know, a lot of the '60s ones were slightly rubbish, weren't they? Yeah, the chase. well, God, Dalek Invasion of Earth is, is good, but uh, you know, Daleks Master Plan is a good one, but that's got a really good lead. Yeah, that's, that's and actually so much going on. Yeah, so much more than uh, the Daleks. The Daleks, or as my daughter, so uh, she's never seen Doctor Who, but she knows that I obsess about it, and so she looked at the DVD of Doctor Who and the Daleks. And, is, are these the garlics, Dad? <laughs> Get in, childhood, uh, you know, cliche number one, calling the Daleks the garlics. You should feel lucky, actually, Tom, because they were going to make a third one based on the chase. Oh, but the reception from the second film was so poor. Really? Well, critically. It just didn't do anywhere near as well as the first one financially, and they spent more money on it. You like mm. the campery? The campery of the first one. I like the colour in the first one. The campery. I like this great capsule. Pink. It's all very pink. It's a pink city. A pink agenda. (laughs) How many movie TARDISes out of five? Oh, well, I. Two. Yeah, it's good. I would think you'd want to give it a three. I'd give it a three purely for nostalgic reasons. I'd be closer to giving uh, Dalek Invasion of Earth than three. Yes. That's probably two and a half. (laughs) (laughs) They're okay. Toymaker manipulates people and makes them into his plaything. Okay, we're in the Celestial Toy Room, and this is one of the peaks of Doctor Who merchandising in 1965 with Dalek Mania. There were Daleks literally everywhere in toy shops. And Tom, you've got in your hand there a Louis Marx Dalek toy. Is, is this actually an original Louis Marx from 1965? It is, it's one of the small ones. Why the hell are you letting me handle it? <laughs> worth about £500. How much would one of these go for these days, do you reckon? In, in a box, because there's two sizes, there's the larger one that takes the batteries and spins around, which I've got upstairs, and this little small one was the first Dalek toy ever made. Oh, yeah. And it's a friction drive, and you put it backwards and forwards. Let's try that. This so little 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 little. Oh. There you go, so if you push it... If I push it... Oh, half a, wow, half that's a pretty century good. on. 
still works. That's a good it's the mechanism Essentially, it's a washing up basket on its head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is. And uh, it seems to be rather more slanted than, than the real Daleks, but it's, it looks a, looks a treat. What I didn't like about the films is that a lot of the Daleks have the uh, claw mm. and not the plunger. So uh, this is a plunger, that's fine. You can't actually move the plunger. It's not articulated. Exterminating stick in the eye, but that, that's fine. I mean, it's rather cheap. <laughs> Very, yeah. Uh, but, you know, if I had this as a kid, I'd love it. It's I'd not wholly it. dissimilar to the Daypole. It's, it's about the same size. It's moulded out of, I would say, what, uh, five pieces of plastic? Yeah, probably five or six. It's, it's, well, it's injection moulded and it's mm. made in uh, China <laughs> at the time. Yeah. This is like the big, big shift, wasn't it, in the 60s when lots of toys were coming from China. Made in Great Britain. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Maybe then. <laughs> but I, I honestly thought that the toys were initially made in Great Britain but then came from China later. I'll, I'll stand corrected. What I've also got here, a uh, proper real Dalek ephemera, so this, is, this isn't Josiah's library level of review. But these, Tom is not a big fan of Doctor Who annuals. No, no, well, but, who is? Come on. <laughs> because they're mostly shit. But these two books are actually well worth getting. It's the Dalek book, which I think may be the first Doctor Who publication. When was that made in? 19, uh, si late 64, early 65. It does look pretty, uh, well, it's, it's nice. Lovely it looks very 60s, isn't it? Yeah. And the Dalek world, which followed uh, the following year. These were written by David Whittaker. Ah, we like him. So the content's quite good. I must say, though, there's something about the Daleks that, that, that people don't seem to be able to get right. Mm, very difficult to render. That, you'd yeah. have thought that people would just look at the design of the Daleks and say, OK, fair enough, if you're making a toy, they're never going to be quite right because it's expensive to make them proper. But if you're drawing one, if you're illustrating one, just look at some photos, get it right. Yeah. Well, if you look at the cover here of the both Dalek, the world, Dalek world and the Dalek book, you'll see there's a circular grill between the gun arm and yeah, the plunger arm. Do you yeah. know what that was? They, they, they had a reference photo from uh, the very first Dalek story where somebody put a roll of sellotape <laughs> in the grill and they thought that was part oh, of the anatomy my, of a Dalek. My, my. And the numbers at the top you see here yeah. were the numbers that they'd written on in rehearsal for Dalek 1, Dalek 2, <laughs> Dalek 3. <laughs> so that's why they have these so We've all got these numbers. Yeah. And the, but, the, but even when I, I, you know, I can draw a Dalek and I wouldn't make the little round bits the smallest. The, the balls are too small. It's very odd, yes. isn't it? For some of them, on TV every week, and I'm sure there's hundreds of photographs of them, and they, they choose not to get it right. Very but Tom, you, you must surely. There's, there's photographs in the book <laughs> of Daleks that look entirely dissimilar <laughs> to the Daleks that they're. It's very strange. But surely we can see a quality change here between what was coming out in the late 70s to what we have. Yeah, I think this is actually good stuff. You know, the, 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 the comic strips are quite... Uh, well, they had it was in TV 21. It was, was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's some photographs in this one of the, from ma the, movie. the making of Doctor Who and the Daleks. So the, there's the pictures TV, from the Dalek movie. Um, oh, from the movie? Yeah, yeah in, in the Dalek world. It would be terribly exciting if you'd seen a film. It looks great. And they look great. And there's an enormous mole on page 66. With for the, Christmas, with, with the uh, with the caption, a huge shower of liquid metal spurted over the Daleks, being observed by a huge mole. How erotic! There's, <laughs> a, there's a great page at the back, and a, there's a Dalek dictionary we'll come to at the back, which is quite good fun. Dalek dictionary. But there's some Dalek very dictionary. <laughs> very bizarre Dalek facts or factoids. So what we've got in the Dalek world is strange to tell, according to the Daleks. And what I like about this page is it's a uh, dual tone; it's only red. Mm. And on this page is, did you know that the colour red is unknown on the planet Skara? Ah. <laughs> now, there's a red Dalek in the Dalek movie. Yeah. <laughs> 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. 
What have you got there, Tom? <coughs> I've got uh, Anatomy of a Dalek, which is a, 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 a sequel to Anatomy of a Murder. Uh, <laughs> wonderful. I just think this, I'm sure this was in a book in the later 70s. Yeah. Um, reprinted. I think I've seen this before. A slightly better rendering slightly of the Dalek, better, I think. Yeah. I mean, again, the Daleks are pretty crazy, but it's it's great. It's really, I'm really. This is the sort of thing that would get me get my uh, dander up as a child. Just sort of stuff about what's inside the machine and how it all works, which is all yeah. hogwash. Oh yeah, and they make it up. Mm. That it's a nice piece of artwork. I think that Anatomy of a Dalek, which was obviously done by some artist and maybe David Whittaker in 1964, mm. basically established what the insides of a Dalek still look like today. Yes, mm. the control chamber, the very heart mm. of the machine. From mm. here, all screens, controls, and instruments are operated by the creature, known to the universe as a Dalek, which is housed in the yellow globe like area immediately behind. So that, that appears in the movie, it appears in the little claw like creature, which I think is a good touch. It also tells us what the actual balls are ah, on the well, Dalek. Yes. Number 21. These sense globes, that's what they are, they're sense globes, react to the conditions. React conditions flash to the control chamber, such as heat, cold light, presence of animal life, movement, conditions beyond the range of the eye. So they're sort of like a dog's nose, in effect. Mm, they're sort of, yeah, they're sort of watching out sensors. Which, um, you know, that's never explained in the show, is it? As far as I can tell. No. I don't remember what it's all for. And those are the sort of silly facts that, as a kid, you love. Oh, but those, dark, those balls, ma'am. <laughs> those balls, ma'am. It's really it's like, you know, it's a sense thing, isn't it, ma'am? Yes. They have a reason, they have Shut a purpose. Yeah. But that the colour red thing is scientific nonsense. <laughs> it's it's not how light works, is it? Yeah. Did you know that a Dalek never sleeps? Unlike the human brain, the Daleks have several minds. Whilst one of these minds is resting, the others are constantly alert. A Dalek can never be caught napping. Well, true, yes. This is fun as well. It's Dalek Fenders. So the, uh, the things around the, the, the bottom of the Dalek is basically to shield the uh, Sightown's feet. <laughs> uh, in close fighting, Daleks often go wild with their blast guns, and these bumpers warn them that when other Daleks are dangerously close. Yeah. So it's just to protect them from other Daleks. Daleks are dangerously close, yes. During the Battle of Mercury in Scaro year 115196, Half the Dalek squadrons were wiped out by their own Daleks. <laughs> because at least time the Fenders hadn't been involved and fitted. That's why they, you know. A bit like the evolution of the Nissan, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so these are rather. And they're they're so, lovely, they're really I lovely like books. The, uh, the format of them, they're quite yeah. chunky, aren't they? They're great books, they're not really Anders. They're small Defender. So they're well worth getting. If you can find the Dalek book or the Dalek world, do pick them up. I think they're getting quite rare and expensive now with the new series and everything else being popular with, with 40-year-old men. Because <laughs> um, kids don't watch it. Really? Less and less children seem to be watching the new oh, series. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I don't so, so these uh, Dalek mania, we had a slice of Dalek mania this afternoon. I think it's been lovely. And I think what we realised very quickly is that Dalek mania really is fair for children. Yes. Not so for adults. And it's not aged too well. But mm. for nostalgia, reasons I love it. I love mid-60s. It's from that bonkers era where anything could really happen in, in, doc, in the Doctor Who world and they were writing the law that now people take quite seriously day oh, to day. Yes. Well, I think that happened, quite I mean, fun. this is a more sort of wider point about Doctor Who, but I think that happened up until JMT got in really and then he sort of just closed any sort of innovation down. Mm. You know, all through the, what the, you know, Tom Baker going back to Gallifrey and the, creating that whole world of Gallifrey that we'd not seen before. Suddenly I mean, and terribly. 
<laughs> that was the last point. I think any innovation at all happened on Doctor Who, as, as apart as apart from when they tried to inject a bit at the end of the uh, Sylvester McCoy era. All mm. through the eighties, it was so just backstory, referential, continuity bollocks, as opposed to just sort of thinking, let's make it up. Mm. It's a it's a kids' TV show. Let's make it up. Mm. And I think that's what suffered in the eighties. It was JNT too referential. Absolutely. Let's go back to that era where you can do whatever the fuck you like. Yeah. Listen. Oh, the familiar tones. Yes. Roberta Toby. <laughs> and Keith McCulloch. Keith McCulloch. <laughs> Synthesizer. Milton Zubatsky. <laughs> Get me gushing. This music's damn shit. We want the jerseys weed. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to ride back to the 1960s and Dead People and Daleks. Coming up in the next episode, into the 1970s, as we look into the Graham Williams era. Ooh. All that and more in the next exciting episode of... The Complete Menagerie! Doctor Who. Almost. <laughs> That's the wrong way round. <laughs> If you enjoyed listening to that twaddle, you can follow us on Twitter at DW Menagerie. That's at DW Menagerie, and we'll be tweeting various photographs of our inside leg measurements and that sort of thing. Doctor Who is copyright of the BBC. No infringements on copyright are intended. Support Doctor Who by purchasing DVDs and CDs and all other media from the BBC. Any comments made by the complete menagerie, <laughs> almost, are all our own. You've been listening to a sixth floor production.